Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. As we start things out here tonight, of course, your calls are primary if you make them. But first, the latest from the TSA. I think we mentioned this maybe a few days ago, but never really got to the details. Uh, In case you are not aware, the TSA does have plans to expand. And we predicted in the past that the TSA was going to be expanding out. However, I don't think we necessarily predicted in the, uh, the correct direction initially. It's difficult to, to, to be able to predict these things, honestly. But. Sure. We thought they were going to go, or at least I thought they were going to go out into the realm of uh, busing. So Greyhounds and city buses. And, and in fact, uh, at one point a few months back, Indianapolis did have TSA agents out at some city bus stops. So to some extent that had already occurred, but it hasn't really gone mainstream. They haven't really pushed to do that anywhere else, to my knowledge. Uh, one of the places I didn't expect this to occur was private planes, which is what they're looking at doing. According to USA Today, the Transportation Security Administration is planning a massive expansion of aviation security that for the first time will regulate thousands of private planes now flying with no security rules. And I might add, now flying completely safely with no security rules. Yeah. When was the last time a private plane was hijacked? Is that even something that happens? One flew into, um, shortly after 9-11, one flew into a building uh, in Tampa, but it was accidental. Was it, yeah, the guy like had a heart attack or something, right? Or there was some I, sort I of medical the, condition. I, I, I don't think it was a heart attack. I, I think it was, was some crazy person. I, I think it was crazy. Hmm. Yeah, but it was his plane, right? I mean, he didn't steal the plane, did he? I don't remember the uh, the story entirely, but he wasn't a terrorist. Well, one of the things for sure uh, is that the, you know, the TSA is interested in expanding its bureaucracy, as all bureaucrats are. Uh, anybody that is a bureaucrat and they have power over others they, in that they have people who are subordinate to them, always want to increase the number of people that they have subordinate to them. And they want to increase the budget to their department and all of that. And so that's sort of the motivation that, uh, that drives this. And, of course, they can cover their expansion of the bureaucracy by simply saying, well, we need this for safety. These private planes, they need, they need to be safe, too. And, it's always in the name of safety, you know? And, and of course, the private plane uh, people will certainly be able to afford whatever fees the TSA decides to tack on to their, uh, their private flights as a re- you know, for the, pr- the purposes of providing their services to them. Uh, because people that take private flights are paying a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, it's not cheap. So let me get to the story here. Again, massive expansion is what they're planning. The new regulations expected to be proposed in coming months stop short of passenger screening, but would aim to prevent someone from flying a small plane, possibly packed with explosives, into a building. Authorities also worry about terrorists transporting hazardous materials or themselves on private aircraft, said their head of general aviation security. The threat is real, said aviation security consultant Glenn Wynn from United Airlines, or formerly a security chief there. Some small airports reserved for private planes really don't have a lot of security, which would make it easy for someone to steal a small jet. There's a huge window that's open, and I do believe they've got to close that. Now, it's been a long time since September 11th at this point. It's it's coming up on uh, the seven-year anniversary of that right. particular Apparently, day. they're not keeping uh, our you know small airports secure. No. Uh, so even though the, the airports are not secure, it really hasn't resulted in any problems because uh, there haven't been any terrorists stealing the planes. Well, I'm not... <sighs> 
I'm not sure. I think it's a matter of time. I think that uh, if we continue to stay in the Middle East, that we're going to uh, have some some Muslim extremist types try to do something awful in the United States again. I, I think we're still goading them in the same way that we were goading them before. Now, I'm not going to say that some of them don't hate Britney Spears and Coca-Cola mm-hmm. and uh, the Western lifestyle. But I don't think that that's the vast majority of them. They certainly get their, um, they get the springboard from the fact that we're over there, we're uh, killing Arabs. I mean, they call us the Great Satan, and I'm sure from their point of view, we look like it. We being the United States of America, the government, right? Uh, So, so they say they're saying they need to close this huge window. Corporations and aviation groups are watching closely as the TSA prepares to regulate uh, regulate roughly 15,000 private planes that are seen as a convenient alternative to commercial flights. The planes fly in a network of 4,700 small airports, ten times the number of commercial airports that rarely have delays and often sit closer to city centers, according to one of the airport directors. Security regulations could hamper some convenience. Aviation groups worry the new security proposals must be workable and should strike the right balance between the need for security and for mobility. Well, clearly there's no need for security because the, the right, people, we have the right balance currently. Right, the people that are flying in private planes are quite satisfied with the level of security. Otherwise, I'm sure they could privately bring about other levels of uh, of safety if they wanted to. So there there is no problem here. They're not even addressing an existing problem. It's just an excuse to expand their bureaucracy. Well, I think that there's a, there's an existing problem in some ways. I mean, there there's still the danger that uh, somebody could steal a jet or or a charter a jet and then be able to fly it or something. I guess that they'd have to obviously have no Americans on the plane, mm-hmm. um, and then fill it full of explosives and do something bad. I don't know what it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be on the scale of nine uh, eleven. You can be <laughs> well, certain of that. You know, I understand that there are uh, private airstrips out there, but. How hard would it be for a terrorist with significant resources? I mean, if you can afford to buy a plane and you can afford, you know, if you've got Osama bin Laden or whoever backing you financially, how hard would it be to build your own airstrip? Launch your own plane off of that? I mean, none none of this is going, none of this security theater, which is what the TSA's primary job is to provide people with this false sense of security, none of it is going to stop somebody who's De- uh, who is absolutely devoted to the idea of, as you say, packing a plane full of explosives. You, you want to pack a plane full of explosives, you don't want to do it when someone else is around. So you can't go to a public-private airport where anybody could come out at any time and you know ask what you're doing. You'd want your own private airstrip, a nice big long piece of road somewhere or you know dirt. I don't know what it takes to launch an airplane, but I imagine you could do it on a gravel path of some sort. I'm sure. So wouldn't that be a solution to somebody that wanted to blow something up? Just avoid the uh, private airports entirely. Anyway, the new regulations, which would apply to planes which weigh more than 12,500 pounds, would most likely require measures such as checking flight crew backgrounds, parking planes in secure areas, and inspecting planes, said Morgan. We've worked very closely with the industry to garner as much input with respect to what's operationally feasible. It's not clear whether passengers would be getting background checks. Many, but not all, private operators already safeguard their planes. The new rules will provide What's the us- point in a background check, by the way? If they checked my background, which I'm, I, they, I don't know what they do as far as background checks on yeah. regular uh, regular passenger jets, because I've been do on they? plenty of them. And they I've do been pass- pres- I don't they- know that they do. I don't, I don't know anything so. like that. I don't imagine that they do. Otherwise, they'd hassle me every time we went through, because yeah. my background doesn't look good. Mm. The regulations come as Homeland Security Secretary Michael Chertoff had voiced concerns about terrorists using private jets. 
The department has proposed doing background checks of people flying on private planes into the United States and is looking at tightening security for small airports and for businesses such as fuel dealers that operate on them. The head of government affairs for the National Air Transportation Association, which represents companies that service business jets, said new security rules will be a little bit of an inconvenience, but might draw some passengers who are now who now are worried about private planes. Having a program like this will make private planes even more secure, he said. So it sounds like the private plane association or one of their associations isn't even really too concerned about this. Doesn't bother them that the government's going to come in there and make life a bigger hassle for them, increase their costs. They're going to pass it on to their private plane customers, who no doubt can afford it. Uh, But it's just sad to see the bureaucracy continuing to expand for no reason whatsoever. I mean, normally it's reactionary when a bureaucracy expands. Normally, when you see stuff like this, it's as a result of something happening, which doesn't justify it either. It if somebody had actually stolen a private plane and gone and blown it up somewhere, that wouldn't justify a big government expansion into airport security. Well, if the airport is concerned, they can add their own security if they want to and not have this obligation from the government, which, of course, is going to cost more. The government bureaucracy is going to cost more as far as their so-called security than whatever it is the airport would probably implement itself. I agree with you that the uh, the security that, um, that that is offered by the United States and the TSA and, and that th- that sort of thing is poor and that it, it's ineffective. However, I think that uh, currently, with our current situation where we have uh, military people in 131 nations around the world, that it, it does make sense that you would want to secure, you know, be, be secure against terrorist attacks because we're, you know, we're, we're goading these people. Well, the government the, people the, the certainly key are. really is is our foreign policy, not uh, our airport security. It's their foreign policy, not mine. Right. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. You take control. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up what you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Mark. It's 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those on us. And those include, by the way, the archives. So if you missed a moment of the show, just click and download. Uh, Again, totally free for you, freetalklive.com. And Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project. It's your only choice for more personal freedom and smaller, less intrusive government. To learn more about joining the Second American Revolution, go to freestateproject.org. That's freestateproject.org. To your calls, we talk to Ernie in Nevada. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Ernie. Hi. I just uh, wanted to make a major point here about the risk assessment of this stupid TSA initiative here. Okay, go ahead. I mean, anybody who has a driver's license, and walk into a rider truck department and, and rent a truck, even a pickup truck, yep. which which carries, you know, 3,000, 4,000 pounds if you overload it a little bit. If you want to put a bomb in something, you want to drive it up to a target. I mean, there's a 100 million drivers in the United States, and there's maybe 300,000 pilots. This is... Uh... Yeah, this is one of the things that I've suggested for the longest time is that clearly 
there's nobody in this country that wants to blow anything up that badly because if they wanted to, it would not be very difficult for them to do so. And I think that absolutely a ground-based attack is, you know, just makes much more sense because of the reasons you're you're pointing out. It's, it's not hard at all to build a bomb, and it's not hard at all to get a vehicle in which to transport it. And there's virtually no security surrounding that stuff. So it's it's clear to me that yeah. nobody really wants to blow anything up because otherwise they would be wouldn't be hard. And the other point I wanted to make is that it's it's a hell of a lot harder to take off an airplane and fly it where you have to go than it is to get a road map and get in a car or vehicle, you know, a road vehicle, mm-hmm. and and find the destination, the target. Yeah, you certainly don't need the, as much training to drive as you do to fly that much. Right. Sure. O- um, Oklahoma City makes a hell of a lot more sense than 9-11 as far as a terrorist attack. I totally agree. And what what about the uh, bombing in, was it with 93, the World Trade Center? How'd that happen? That was a rider truck that was parked in the basement. You're right. And that and that almost took the building down. Yep. All yep. it needed was a little bit more, maybe two trucks or three trucks. No. I think they no. said that they were on the wrong pillars or something like that. If they'd have been on different pillars, yeah. that it would have brought the buildings down and even more effectively than it did than uh, the airplanes did. Honestly, now, now the reason why they're not going into the realm of the road as far as bringing the TSA out into the streets is because they don't have that. Uh, they don't have that incident with which they could really stir up the public and, and get them to uh, to to bow down easily for that kind of checking. But in order to, to somehow even have any effect on the, the idea that somebody might come and drive uh, a, a, loaded, a truck loaded full of bombs uh, to, to whatever location, would be checkpoints in the streets, would be random checkpoints in every city in America operated by the TSA or local sheriffs, and that's a really, really scary police state. I'm, I'm glad we're not there yet, but all it would really take would be one incident for them to be able to say, oh, my gosh, we didn't even think about ground attacks. We're going to need checkpoints everywhere. So hopefully no one will uh, will take your idea and run with it. Well, and over 90% of the aircraft that are private airplanes are like a Cessna 172, which has a, a total weight, a gross weight of 2,400 pounds. And out of that, 1,400 pounds is structure, and another 300 pounds is fuel. So you're left with about 700 pounds, and you have to put a pilot in there. Right. And they're only talking about regulating planes that are above 12,500 pounds. So you're saying that 90% of the private aircraft actually will not even fall under this particular bureaucracy. Yeah, but uh, I, I take a great exception to what you're saying about that. That one uh, uh, private aircraft. Those are what you have to realize is that the, the aviation industry is under the FAA's thumb. I mean, they've sure. been crushed forever, and it, it's it's just uh, they, they're apologists, they're lobbyists. Yeah, they're, they're in they're in there with the FAA, the government. You know, the only one that has any uh, validity as opposing this. Slightly is the uh, AOPA, which is the Air- Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association. They have 600,000 members, I think. I used to be a member, but I just I gave it up uh, because I became a free marketeer, and, and it was just like 
they're just trying to work within the system. Yep, that's all that these people are. I mean, it's just like the restaurant industry associations or any other industry association that comes out to oppose in some uh, mealy-mouthed, cowardly way the government's, whatever it is they're planning to regulate. Out in uh, Los Angeles, when they came up with the regulation to stop fast food, uh, restaurants from being built, the restaurant association barely even had anything to say about it. And and it's just so sad to see these people cowering in fear of what the the federal government might do next. It's like, oh, well, we'll accept these regulations just because, thank goodness you didn't make them more harsh. Boy, thanks, guys. We appreciate that you you only are targeting uh, the 12,000-pound planes and not not ours, so it's it's all right. We'll just bend right over for you. The point about those uh, 12,000-pound planes is that most of the time they're parked in a hangar or they're parked right next to the uh, FBO, the fixed-base operator, the, the business that operates on the Air Force that services and fuels the airplanes. So they're under observation 100% yeah, you, of the time. You wouldn't want those things way the heck out on the, you know, on some airfield someplace where nobody was watching them. That makes perfectly good sense. That's a very expensive plane that you're talking about. It's a great call, Ernie. Any, any other thoughts for us? Well, yeah, and the fact that there's a, there's a toll-free number that anybody can call, posted on the fences of all the airports, any suspicious activity, call this 800 number, you know, and, and 90% of the airports have... Fences that are eight foot tall with barbed wire on. Yeah, it's like I said. If if these terrorists want to go after something, they'll just use their own private airport. How hard would that be to pave out a little strip of runways you can take off a plane on it? Well, the airplanes you're talking about are a couple million dollars. Right. So they they can afford their own. Even used. I mean, the airplane industry, the used prices aren't that low. So I mean, you know, you'd be better off with a truck. That's a good point. Yeah, or just renting a truck. Yeah. Good points, Ernie. Great call. Thanks for the expertise. Appreciate hearing from you tonight. Always good to hear some, you know, from somebody that actually knows a thing or two about the topic. Sure. 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. So there's no terrorism. There, there are no terrorists in America. If there are, then what the hell are they waiting for? I mean, if there are terrorists in America that we're all supposed to be so afraid of, then where's all the terrorism? Because... There's no shortage of suicide bombings going on in the places where there definitely are people that would like to cause terror over in the Middle East. There's always somebody new strapping a bomb to themselves and blowing it up, but we don't see any of that here in America. And don't tell me, oh, it's because the FBI is out there. The FBI is working so hard keeping us safe. It's boy, If it weren't for the FBI, we'd have people blowing themselves up left and right. What a bunch of nonsense. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I, 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 no. t- I do agree. No. I mean, as long as you can put a bomb together... Then it's just a matter of figuring out how to how to deliver it. So you would you would think that if, it, if the FBI was doing just that, that you'd be hearing about it in the news. Yeah, they've been picking these people off. But all you ever hear about are those last story. I think we heard was the guys down in Miami. Remember the, the like the gang of losers down in Miami that was training allegedly to be terrorists, but they had infiltrators. They so had the FBI, in, right. It was the FBI that was, that was doing uh, it, egging them on essentially. All right, eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. You can bring up what you want. This is Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free 
Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features on the site are free, so enjoy those, including the Shrine of Female listeners. Dozens of ladies who've sent us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show. Just go to shrine.freetalklive.com and see what it's all about. And if you are a lady listener, don't hesitate to submit your validated picture. All the details are there at shrine.freetalklive.com. If you've got to get some legal documents done, like a will or even a divorce or uh, a lease or something like that, go to LegalZoom.com. They've got all kinds of legal documents there. You can save $10 off your order with code FTL. They've got patents, wills, trademarks, living wills, all the things that you need to get done. You know you need to get them done. Get them done at LegalZoom.com. Use code FTL. Save 10 bucks off your order. It's LegalZoom.com. 800-259-9231. Let's go to the email box. Brandon emails in. He says that over the last few days, a couple of things popped into my head while listening to your show. The first has to do with drugs. I was thinking about what might happen to the pharmaceutical industry if drugs were legalized, and it occurred to me that legalizing everything could lead to lower drug prices overall. It seems to me that drug companies could produce or hire growers to produce things like marijuana and sell them at a fairly large margin. This could potentially help to offset the cost of researching, producing, and marketing the more medicinal drugs that currently cost an arm and a leg. Does this seem plausible? I would say that uh, it's an interesting idea to take uh, the profits from one product and help it, you know, help subsidize research and development on others. Uh, of course, if we got rid of the FDA, if there then... wasn't any, if there wasn't enough profit in in another drug, though, they wouldn't be in it. It's not, it's just not worth it from a business standpoint. Well, then that may be true, Mark, but there may also be something to where there's something to be said for sort of like a charitable effort in that. If there's not a lot of profit in curing cancer, they might want to just do it anyway, so they could be the company to claim that they cured cancer, created the cure for cancer. So Merck, we cured cancer. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, so I think that a big uh, a big help though would be to get rid of the FDA entirely, because then uh, the medicines that he's referring to that cost, as he say, an arm and a leg, would not cost so much mm-hmm. because they wouldn't have to spend the billions of dollars that it takes, or billion or whatever it is that it takes to to put their experimental medication through the FDA's approval process and would instead have competing certification agencies willing to do it for a fraction of the price. Second, he says, I was listening to another podcast, and they were talking about the story, or story about Christian parents and their child. The problem came in when the child fell ill, and instead of taking the child to a doctor, they decided to pray for the child. It turned out that the child had cancer, and I believe it was a type the doctors could have easily saved the child, but I might be mistaken on that last part. Either way, says Brandon, how would the free market handle this? The only law is to do no harm. So are the parents, by not taking the child to the doctor, leading to the child's death, causing harm? Well, um, this issue comes up on the show pretty regular, at least every few months. Um, you know, should parents have the right to treat their child in the way that they want? And really, the uh, you know, this this is a slippery slope. Yes, I think that it's a it's it's weird, it's darn weird, and and I don't like it. I think it's bad to have a situation where you know your child has a particular illness and you decide to stay home and pray when uh, in fact you know medicine could have helped the child and they die it's it's obviously it's tragic and there's all kinds of stories about it um sure but you know then you well are the parent should the parents be you know it's such an important issue should the parents really be allowed to feed the child whatever diet they want i mean we know how important diet is is a slippery slope right uh, I mean, are you, you, the, the, the parents are giving the child candy. What about vaccines? I mean, if you take the uh, position that the state knows best, that you know yeah. best. 
So if if the state is saying, well, okay, this is harm if the parents pray for the child, then that opens up that Pandora's box to say, okay, well, then it could be harmful if you don't get your child vaccinated because then they could come down with some sort of sickness that otherwise they wouldn't have come down with, and you're therefore causing harm uh, in that in that manner. Mm. Or as you say, with food, uh, perhaps by taking your your kids to McDonald's, uh, that is causing harm, and so therefore, I mean, so really, you don't want to get into that area. As disturbing as it is, and as as sad as it sounds, what these parents did, or rather, I guess, didn't do, you just have to leave. You just have to live with it. You just have to come to the understanding that some people are going to make those choices, choices for their children that are different than you might have made had they been your children. And you just have to come to the understanding that that's okay, and that we have to just move on with our it's lives. It's a shame. Yeah. But the, the, you know, the, the fact is, they're raising. They've raised this kid already to believe these uh, these beliefs of theirs that right. you know somehow that prayer can uh, fix these particular uh, illnesses or whatever. And you know, there's many religions that that simply don't believe in doctors at all and it's 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 not what i believe i think that it's it's wrong but you just can't you can't do anything about it they've already raised that kid to believe that way anyway so likely the kid would make that choice for his for himself and and there if you don't want that kid to make that choice if you think that's a bad choice in fact what you have to do is you have to take all the kids away from all the parents and raise them in some kind of communal home where you get to teach them what you want them to be taught but the problem with that idea is it will never be what you want them to be taught because in fact the government will do it and they'll teach what they want so you, you you just can't you just can't i'm sorry there may be crackpot religions out there that that think that prayer can solve it but there are lots of evidence that uh, positive mental attitude uh, the you know the right thinking uh, prayer whatever you want to call it meditation mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it that it, it there's some some evidence it's anecdotal or whatever i mean it's not obviously scientific evidence that People have been cured by well, that. Now, hold on. There's a lot of scientific evidence in favor of the placebo effect. Okay. There's a lot of it. That's yeah. why it's uh, it's used so often. The, I mean, the idea that you tell somebody that you're giving them a medication that's going to help them, and in fact you're not. You're just giving them a sugar pill, and then they get better. Whereas if you're telling somebody that you're going to get sick, you're going to get worse, you're going to die, then you create sort of a self-fulfilling – you can create a self-fulfilling yeah. Some prophecy. Some people, have, you know, they, they come out of that, but yeah. So, uh, and, you know, I don't think that parents should hit their kids. I don't think that spanking is okay, but I would never impose my beliefs on another set of individuals. I would never uh, threaten them with any sort of consequences of, vi- you know, violence coming to them as a result of them using violence on their kid. I might, you know, I might decide to uh, to ostracize if I had kids. I, I may decide to not allow them to play with those other kids, or if I was running a business and they were a client, I may, might decide to no longer service them. If I, if I was that concerned about how they were raising their kids or how they were treating their kids, but it's none of my damn business what they just decide to do. It's their life, it's their choices, and they're, gonna, they're going to be the ones that are going to suffer the sadness of losing their children if that's what happens. Yeah. I can't ever come close. They're not my kids, so I can never come as close to those parents to feeling whatever it is that they're going to feel. Right. You know, we read a news story. It's uh, it, it sounds bad for the you know the few minutes we read the news story. In ten minutes, we'll be on to some other subject, and you won't even be thinking about the kid that uh, you know died because his parents decided to pray for him instead. He does have a few more questions. He says, or is the child property of the parents and as such subject to the will of the parents? Well, that's no, a good he's a question. Ward of the parents. Yeah, well, okay, ward. What's what does that mean? How is that different from being property? Well, you're responsible for the child's well-being, but you don't own them. I mean, 
yeah, you, you don't own them in that, but but at the same time, you can set rules for them and where they can go and what they can, can do. You can set rules because, control they, them. Be, because they live in your house, right. essentially. The, the parent owns the house. The child lives in the house. When and the child decides to uh, sever that relationship, be it at... Uh, 18. Right. Uh, it seems more more likely at 30 these days, uh, especially with the economy going south. They likely never move out anymore. But uh, you know, and some kids go, go earlier. Yeah, than at that. an early age. So if what I don't know how old this uh, youngster is that in his story that he's talking about, but let's say they're 10. If the 10-year-old decides that he wants to go to the damn hospital and get treated for whatever his problem is when mommy and daddy are saying, no, no, we're just going to pray for you. If he then decides to go up and leave and you know run away essentially to the hospital to get that help, then I think that he has made that choice at that point to no longer be a ward of his parents and is 100% in control of his life. And I would absolutely support his right to walk away. And, and likely and some good people that. out there would say that they agree and yep. that they don't, you know, that, that they, they would offer a place for this 10-year-old to move in and, uh, you know, live as, as they're um, in their, you know, sort of custody. In fact, his next question was, what if the child were 16 and wanted to go to the doctor, but the parents wouldn't allow it? Well, the only way they could stop you would be to, like, shackle you and tie you down. If you were determined to go to the doctor, you'd figure out a way to get there. You'd leave the house and you'd hitch a ride or walk or get on the city bus or whatever it took. Depends you'd on how badly out. they want to do it. And, yeah. um, you know, that's really the issue is, you know, maybe maybe they think about it a little bit, but if, if they don't really want to do it, they're not doing it. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. I think, Mark, you got some hospital-related questions. We'll get to those here in moments. This is your show. It is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever you want if you dial in toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. If you enjoy the show and want to help support Free Talk Live, then become an amplifier. Just go to amp.freetalklive.com to learn more about the AMP program. AMP stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. The idea is you send us 3 bucks a month. We take that money in and reinvest it into the show, getting on more radio stations and bringing more Internet listeners to Free Talk Live. So it's working. You can see some of the things we're spending the money on if you go to amp.freetalklive.com. And you'll learn about the perks you get, like access to the AMP-only call-in lines, chat room, forum, and more. Learn about it and get signed up at amp.freetalklive.com. As we go to your calls, uh, coming up, uh, Mark, you've got an email with some hospital-related questions. Not sure where that's going to go, but sounds intriguing. But first, we go to John in New Hampshire. You are on Free Talk Live. Hello, John. Gentlemen. Hey, what's on your mind? Hey, uh, this business with uh, when people tell you what you ought to be putting into your body and when uh, you not ought to be putting other things, including uh, prescription drugs. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I've uh, taken care of my own health a little bit in the past year, and if I had a child that was uh, you know, under the age where I'd be responsible for them, I would be doing pretty much the same thing for my own child, I had a doctor write a couple prescriptions for me, and uh, fortunately he didn't call me into the office and charge me for a visit to, to do that. He just simply mailed them to me, and I called the office and spoke to the staff and said, I have no intention of filling these prescriptions. We didn't even talk about diet and exercise. And if I had a child uh, with the similar problems, I'd be looking at the same similar things, food issues, uh, health uh, is a result of what we put into our bodies, minds, and spirits. Generally, uh, people talk about like universal health sometimes. This big, this big cry that we need some universal health. If you look at kind of traditional Chinese. 
John? Um, oh, okay. Sorry I just got a beep. It's probably somebody trying to call me. Sorry. Very good. Go ahead. I'll ignore them. So this traditional Chinese medicine is kind of based on this idea that, you know, what you're putting into your body is mm. what you're going to, uh, you know, what's going to affect your health, health most of all. And so some people might say, geez, that's a kind of wacky thing. Isn't that kind of based on that yin and yang stuff? Or isn't that based on the elements? Or, you know, somebody else might, you know, view that as if it's religious. Hey, I don't know what it's based on. I know how, how I'm feeling, and it's better than I've I'm feeling better now than I felt since I was a very young man. Wow, that's great. It's a good thing to and, say. And, and they do say you are what you eat, right? And 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 in all ways. And so, if if the doctor had prescribed something for my child, I would be doing the same thing. And some people would be looking at me and saying, "Geez, that's that wacko that believes in this yoga and meditation and this kind of you know these these maybe Eastern ideas. <laughs> you know, that's not what we talk about around here." Now it does get a little bit weird when you have a parent who wants to do something like this with a child, and it's not what they practice themselves. There was a case down in Massachusetts, mm. uh, you know, 20 or 25 years ago, where the parents pretty much let the kid die. The kid was suffering, and the parents said, I don't believe in any of this. And it went into the government court system, and they looked at the records, and it turns out that the parents, in fact, didn't practice this. They, they only... Uh, experimented on their child so that's kind of to me that's kind of evil yeah so where if you get sick as a parent you'll take yourself to the doctor but if your kid gets sick you just pray for him is that the idea yeah they went uh you know she would just get novocaine from you know even for just like the tooth cleaning a lot of people would do that just for comfort safe but it was against the supposed religion that she hmm. said that she was practicing so it's pretty weird i guess that's one standard that you can look at if you know, I know another guy that was a Jehovah Witness, and they don't believe in drug, uh, blood transfusions years ago. And, uh, you know, everybody kind of uh, looked at him like he was a horrible person because he didn't allow his child to have a blood transfusion when the child was said to need it, and the child survived without it. And people say, geez, he shouldn't have been allowed to take that risk. And I say, well, the thing is, does the guy practice what he preaches, or is he just experimenting on his children? So, Interesting question. The point is, uh, that would be kind of a standard. One thing is, the par- does the parent actually practice what they're, what they're doing with their own body, mind, and spirit? Or is it just, you know, they got little ones that have, they have control over, so they're just experimenting? Anyway, I think, I think I've made my point. But yes, sir. I, I, the good news out there for everybody, if you, if you, if you ever hear somebody talk about uh, universal health care, look at universal health care as the traditional kind of Eastern things where... Put positive stuff into your body. I, I I changed my diet. I knocked out a lot of like the sugars, the you know, the candies, the sodas, and just the pure crap that I used to have. I don't know not, if I would. Call, I don't know if I would label that universal health. Universal health care sounds There's, like uh, you know government implemented. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm saying as an alternative. I'm I'm saying just like a, a spin on it. Whenever I'm going to hear people that that say we need universal health care, I'll say I'm going to say, wait a minute. You mean government? The government is not universal. Government is a disease, not the pro, uh, not the cure. Universal health care is to take care of yourself in kind of a universal way and, you know, all aspects. I think that's uh, a fine point, John. I don't know if I would... Cra- take all the crap that you're putting into your body, and and, uh, and, all, and if you're giving out any crap, stop that, too. They talk about nonviolence. Some of this Eastern stuff, and, and I'd like to be able to try to reach these people. Some way they talk about this thing like Gandhi talked about, ahimsa, which means nonviolence and not causing harm. Mm-hmm. And yet they tend to lean a little bit towards these government solutions. And I need to try to figure out a way to try to tell people, you know, if you believe in this nonviolence, 
You really better, you know, and they talk about karma. If you want to fix your karma, maybe you need to look at your dogma. Great points, John. Thank you for the call. Certainly appreciate hearing from you. I don't know if uh, universal health care is worth saving as far as trying to redefine it whenever someone whenever someone brings it up. But I do, you know, I do understand His where you're coming from. It. Yeah, absolutely. 800-259-9231 to Dave in New York. You are on Free Talk Live. Hello, Dave. Dave yeah, in New what's York. Up? You're on the air. What's on your mind? Uh, the book Revelations. Uh-huh. What about it? Um... Well, you know how they have that, that part with uh, you hear a lot about uh, the rapture. I don't I'm looking hear much. Through my no. book here, and uh, it doesn't seem it's a confusing book, and it, is it doesn't seem to be in there. That the rapture itself, like the people will be yeah. they'll, they'll be born up, God's chosen will be born up in the in the sky or something. The trump will sound, and yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is it in there, Mark? You're the one that's read this book. Right? I, I can't tell you. I, honestly, I don't know where it is. I mean, I, I know where they get the idea of the rapture from, which verse, uh, you know, that I, I've seen the verse. I don't mean which verse that I... Well, what does it really matter if it's there or not anyway? It's just an old book, right? Well, it's an, interest, it's, it's an interesting book. It's pretty... I don't know. It's kind of fun to read. Yeah, if that's what you if that's what you enjoy doing, then uh, you can certainly do that. I found it uh, incredibly dull, and I could never possibly read the, read that book. So, what about the part? Where, there's actually a part where Jesus appears as like a a goat, or not a goat, uh, a lamb, with and he's got like seven eyes and seven horns. An interesting-looking yeah. lamb. Well, I guess you know if it was something uh, like I just don't like reading the old fl- uh, flowery language, the thou and the uh, thou. They art have the Living and, Bible out there. That's uh, yeah, but that's it's still not interesting to me. I'm not going to understand what get, you're saying. Like I'm not going to go out, run out, and get that. I haven't read fiction in the. I can't even tell you the last time I read fiction uh, on my own. So it's just. Not to, uh, it's just not my appeal. It's not something that, that interests me, but I'm glad it interests you. Any other thoughts, Dave? No, that's it. Thanks for the call. Thanks. 800-259-9231. Well, I don't know whether the the rapture is in, uh, you know, there's something in the, in the Bible that indicates that the rapture is going to occur, because otherwise the Christians wouldn't have come up with the idea. Hmm. As to whether or not it's going to occur, it seems to me that uh, Paul... Who never saw Jesus, um, you know, said that the, that all these that the world was coming to an end soon, and that mm-hmm. was two thousand years ago. To me, soon doesn't define two thousand years. Uh, you know, I mean, there's no. It, uh, so I, I feel like yeah, you know, he just missed that. I'm not sure that the, I don't think the world's coming to an end unless we the uh, the, the the human beings, the hairless monkeys running around here, uh, building all kinds of technology, bring it to an end. Yeah, nuclear weapons that could be a problem. Robots. When they take over. All right, Mark. To the hospital email. What have you for us tonight? Hold on just a second. I'm sorry. I didn't have it quite pulled up. All right. Uh, This is from uh, Keenan. First, I want to say you guys do a double-plus good show. I listen to about 30 different different podcasts, and FTL blows the rest out of the water. Second, for all the... She says kooks. Out in KGEZ, if they put as much effort in fighting... They're fringers. That's the term that uh, Keenan used. If they're fighting their New World Order boogeymen and um, chemtrails, that they were um, th- the way that they were fighting uh, you guys, fighting to get you guys off the air, maybe they'd actually accomplish something useful <laughs> for liberty. Instead, they sit in their basements in fear and paranoia. Oh well, I will. Man, miss, they're gone now. I will miss Dave though, the one that sounds like t- Tommy Chong. He's, he's still with us. He's man. one of my favorites. He, he went, went and out bought a laptop. And, he went out and bought a laptop so he could listen to Free Talk Live, and I. You know, that was how I felt about KGZ too. I mean, I, I, I miss KGZ. I don't want to say that. But Dave was my favorite caller from there. They're still I feel, on Saturdays. I feel that he uh, really sometimes really puts together a great, powerful sentence. That, oh, uh, yeah, he's got passion. Yeah, yeah, he does. And I'll wrap it up with a question. 
if you had to get a chance to address it on the show, it would be really great. People always talk about government services like fire and police and roads, and they worry about getting how they would get along without the government. I've never heard anyone talk about hospitals and emergency care. Hmm. Okay, is that the question? Yeah, the, the, the question goes, the question's a ways off in here still. Okay, still we'll get some... to that. We'll find out what that's all about and talk to you about whatever you want at 1-800-259-9231 plus an email from a cop. We'll share that with you here Good. in moments. Hour two is on the way. This is Free Talk Live. You ever have one of those days where everything goes right? First, I get the best parking space at work. Tonight, I have a date with a very lovely Rachel. And today, I gave a killer presentation in Sydney. Finalized the contract in London and demoed our new product in Boston. Online, from my desk, with WebEx. WebEx lets me take meetings and give presentations from my desk. I just talk to clients on the phone, and they watch what's happening on my desktop from their desktop. So I can travel the world and still be here for my date tonight with Rachel. Travel less, meet online. Go to WebEx.com and try WebEx free. Just click the radio graphic and enter promo code 600 to get a free trial and a free webcam, too. Remember that code 600 to qualify for the free webcam. WebEx, now part of Cisco and used by more than 5.5 million people every month. Give it a try, free. Go to WebEx.com and enter the promo code 600. WebEx.com. Free webcams available while supplies last. Terms and restrictions apply. See website for details. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231 as we launch here into hour number two of the program. Again, that number, 800-259-9231, and it's brought to you by SACL CAI. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com as we jump back into the email box. Mark, you were reading something about uh, hospital-related questions. The emailer was suggesting that people, when we talk about the, the free marketplace and voluntary interaction, get scared about things like roads and, Cops and, and fire the police yeah. and the fire department. But what about hospitals, he asks, and he goes on, right? I'm not sure that Keenan is a male name. Okay. Anyway. Whoever it is. Keenan, yeah. I'm sure that you're aware that uh, it is a law that people must be treated whether they can pay or not. A lot of people don't want to pay for insurance, can't get it for whatever reason, or they just feel entitled to medical care. So my question is, in the free market, would these hospitals be obligated to treat people that could not pay for the services? I know hospitals with emergency rooms and trauma centers get some kind of government funding to help provide these services. I used to work at a trauma center and uh, used to make me angry when people would come into the ER with, for a cold or homeless people would call an ambulance just to get a ride across town. And they do. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, Ian, you want to fill this one? Well, sure. I mean, uh, no, they wouldn't be obligated in, in that, you know, the, the, the current understanding is if they don't provide the treatment, then there's some sort of legal ramification. I don't know if they hospital manager will get put in a jail cell or they'll be fined or i'm not sure what the the punishment is for not providing those people with treatment today but that punishment Shut obviously down. Yeah, yeah that punishment obviously would not be there now is that to suggest that those hospitals will leave people out in the cold if they're hurting and if they're injured uh i don't think that any hospitals that i've ever been i wouldn't aware leave of would somebody out in the like cold that. um if they were hurting and injured i mean these people that got into the medical business got into it so they could help people that was in many cases, their primary motivation, it's just a nice bonus that they can actually make money and help people at the same time. But you talk to people who are nurses and doctors and uh, orderlies and others that work in the, the 
the healthcare business, and they'll tell you they got into it because they want to help people feel better. And so these are people that generally do care about the work that they're doing. So, of course, they're going to want to help people that, that need that help. And that's why hospitals have charity wings. I mentioned it earlier this week on the program. Uh, when I was in a hospital at, at one point in my life, there was a, an option where you could contribute money to the charity wing. So they're paying customers. I'm sure understand that there's a demand for services that are very low cost or will be provided free to certain people, and they will pony up some money on a voluntary basis to help those folks. I mean, there's plenty of money out there being given to charities right now, and if everybody has more money because they aren't paying it out to the governments via taxation, as I said last night, I'd have five grand extra a year to spend if I didn't have to uh, spend it on property taxes. And you don't even pay income taxes. Right, right. So uh, so I don't think there'd be a problem at all. Now, if you believe that people are evil, then that would really be the only legitimate objection. If you believe people right? are evil, then why would you trust the government, which is full of, evil, full of people who exactly. are therefore evil, in order to do the right thing? Do you only believe that everybody but the government's evil? Absurd. If so, you need to, obs- you need, you need to uh, look critically at what yeah. you believe. Check your premises. Exactly. Because <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. I, I, I have to entirely agree. I think that uh, hospitals likely wouldn't provide the best care to uh, people that were you know, unable to pay for it. But I can tell you right now, having lived in Sarasota, I had some advertising clients who um, were was this like private physician services or something like that. They would okay. come to, you know, doctors would make house calls out on uh, Longboat Key to uh, very rich individuals. Already, poor people aren't getting the service that rich people are. Sure. And, yeah, I think that the poor people really do take advantage of, uh, of the system in some cases. I've, I've, seen mul- you know, I've seen multiple times where uh, people that don't have money decide to take an ambulance ride to the uh, hospital for no good reason at all. As a matter of fact, my wife worked at, uh, at, at a drug treatment center for pregnant women, and they'd, do it, they'd go to the hospital just to get out. Just to get out of the the treatment center for a little wow. while, you know, they they get a better, be, you know, some other meal at the hospital or whatever. These girls didn't have anything to do all day. You yeah, know? you know what I would do there? I would give. Uh, it'd be like the boy that qu- cried wolf. They'd have two strikes or whatever, where they could use the the ambulance a couple times, and then if they did it again and they were just using the ambulance, then they would never get ambulance service again. How they're they're going to have a baby? They're in there because it's pregnant mothers addicted to crack or whatever. How are you not going to give them an ambulance? Well, you're saying they're, they're abusing it, right? They're taking they it as a, as a free ride. Well, look, you'll get a warning the first time. This is not supposed to be a free ride. And, you know, if you do this again, the next time you call after that, we're not going to come pick you up next time. Yeah, the thing is, is, you know, how are you going to say somebody doesn't feel good? I don't – well, <laughs> I mean, aren't they just getting out of the ambulance and leaving, going no, somewhere no, else? No, these, these girls – in the case that I'm telling you about with my wife is, uh, she, you know, it was an inpatient situation. They couldn't just leave the center. They, they signed in willingly, but in order to get their kids taken care of, uh, you know, their, um, to have the, you know, basically have the baby for free, this was the way they took care of, hmm. you know. Hookers with, uh, uh, you know, drug problems and pregnant. Well, I think that uh, certainly with more competition in the medical field, the ambulance services may be cheaper if there are a few competitors out there as far as getting somebody from one point to another with the necessary health care services. And getting the health care for free is one thing, but paying for the ambulance ride, I think, is within any- anybody's purview. I mean, well, so ambulance rides cost like 500 bucks. Really? I, I think that that's not always the case. I think that they could be cheaper than that. 
They could be, but yeah. uh, unfortunately, they're you know the the way our medical system set up with everybody getting insurance and nobody being responsible for paying for all the services that they're getting. Yeah, they just charge whatever they feel like charging. Let's go to your phone calls, Jeff in Ontario. You are on Free Talk Live. Hello, Jeff. Hey, what's up, guys? What's on your mind? I've listened to you guys a long time, and finally, I'm actually at home when you're live on the air. I'd <laughs> yes. like to talk about the drug war. Okay, okay. certainly. Um, marijuana in Canada is very, 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 very liberal. Um, I have, uh, I'm 32. When I was a kid, my hash dealer actually uh, turned out to be an OPP officer. So I know for huh. sure he's very liberal. And uh, the DEA in the United States has come up to Canada and has charged three people um, with uh, selling marijuana seeds to uh, the United States, and they're all um, under extradition. Are you referring to Mark Emery? Has, yeah, Mark Emery, Greg Rainey, and Michelle Williams. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's just, for me, that's completely crazy. I mean, that's a foreign government coming into my country and telling me and what we can do and, you know, trying to define our laws. And I know for sure the American government is totally um, against our country legalizing marijuana. We had a Senate report called the Ladana Commission, which recommended the legalization of marijuana, that's been totally ignored. Mm-hmm. The Liberal Party of Canada, before this conservative government, was looking at decriminalizing it. That's been totally taken off the books. And it's largely because of your country's politics. And I would like to take maybe a small step. And, you know, if any other country in the world is angry with you because of your politics, maybe look at how your government really manhandles other societies because we yeah, really it's pretty outrageous with, it's, yeah it's pretty outrageous I, I what concur. They're doing I don't know Mark. what I can do about it we really we really depend on your country for exports right and mm-hmm. maybe some other countries with oil or military contracts or whatever I mean like your politics I love Americans but your politics really really kill your country well, I, th- I feel like I, I feel indicted here I don't have any you're not indicted but the drug war in America is a very small example of how the rest of the world feels so hopefully if we can, you know, Mark Emery's in trouble with the Americans because he was trying to help um, fund legalization in the United States, which really worked. Loretta and all, I, I've heard you on, I've heard her on your program. She was a big part of that, the United States Marijuana Party. Mark Emery funded that, and because of that, he has been charged by the DEA. Yeah, well, they, they went after Mark because he is the most visible of marijuana legalization advocates. And as you probably know, we've had him on the show a couple of times. You can download those uh, appearances off of our website on our guest page. And at guest.freetalklive.com. Yep. And it, it, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with Mark at the moment. It looks like he's, uh, according to his website, cannabisculture.com, he's running for mayor in Vancouver. So they haven't extradited him, him yet. And I definitely understand where you're coming from. And I thank you for the call, Jeff. Uh, I, 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 sh- I share your concerns. I mean, it's frustrating what the American government does. But as you said, Mark, you feel indicted. It's not my fault. I didn't, it's not, I didn't do this. It wasn't me. It's them. And I'm doing everything I can to, to change that situation. We've had Mark on this program. We've talked about the issues. Uh, the drug war is my pet issue. Yeah. Uh, we talk about re-legalization and decriminalization frequently on this program. So we're doing everything within our purview to change that situation. So I, I'm with you. I, I understand where you're coming from, and I'm as outraged by it as you are, if not more so, because it's touched my life in very negative ways, too. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. 
This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind if you dial in via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free. So enjoy those, including the bulletin board system. Over 375,000 posts. There's a lot to talk about, all free for you, at bbs.freetalklive.com. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. I just spoke to uh, Jason Osborne of SACL CAI today, and um, you know, every time I talk to that guy, I, I, I just get that his whole life is about an unswerving dedication to liberty. His business is about uh, doing collections, and he uses m- much of the profits from his business to... Uh, to, to help the cause of liberty, if you know somebody who's in business, uh, if you yourself are in business and you have uh, accounts receivable that you can turn over to SACL CAI, I would encourage you to do so. You can find out more um, at our website, uh, freetalklive.com. He's got a banner there right at the top uh, right-hand portion of the page. That's SACL CAI. Email from a cop, a uh, cop who I will not name by his real name because he requested asked if I was interested in speaking with a police instructor. And so I asked him to tell me a little bit more about what it is that he instructs. He says he teaches defensive tactics, self-defense, boxing, mechanics of arrest, and similar topics. My course of instruction necessarily involves stressing the recruits, so I've learned quite a bit about the psyche of today's officers. So I asked him two simple questions. I said, what have you heard us say on the air that you would like to correct or clarify? And what have you heard that you could add to or agree with? And this was his response. He says, I'll start with the second one. Police instructors are almost always other former officers. I'm a rare exception in this regard. That being the case, the us versus them indoctrination begins almost immediately. I believe that years ago, them referred to criminals, and now it refers to all civilians. Some departments prefer to hire military veterans. These young men are usually easier for me to train, though I've noticed a disturbing trend recently. Many recent veterans have been kicking in doors and clearing houses in Iraq. It's exciting for them, and they can't wait to do it here. Mm. Therefore, many of them are joining departments with the immediate goal of being selected for SWAT duty. I could write a book to answer your first question. I don't mean that you need voluminous corrections, but there are many things that you're probably unaware of. I can't back this up with statistics, but I believe police are becoming increasingly aggressive. That may seem an unusual statement given my area of expertise, but I just don't like bullies. Remember that story about the police graduating class that had to come up with a slogan for itself? Uh And they came up with the slogan... uh, Oh, it wasn't always think forfeiture. That was the ATF. No, no, it's uh, it was, don't don't get PTSD cause it. Or yeah, cause like go out and cause PTSD. That's the attitude of a lot of these people. Anyway, uh, the uh, gentleman continues. Hiring criteria have become ridiculously strict in some regards and lax in others. I encounter an increasing number of weak, physically, mentally, or both recruits. Most, upwards of 80 to 90 percent, fail in the initial physical training assessment. Mature adults who would make excellent peace officers are often excluded, as they may have something minor in their background, like drug use or a DUI, for instance. To, uh, to fill the gaps, we're often sent weaklings with perfectly clean backgrounds, probably because they spent the last eight years playing World of Warcraft. If you take a weak person and give him undeserved authority and tell him that everyone else is a criminal until proven otherwise, you end up with abusive officers. And I'm tired of it. So... That's uh, a little bit of info from the inside of a a man uh, in the system whose job it is to train these police officers that are going out onto the streets. And and he is saying that the police are becoming increasingly aggressive. 
and that that military members who have been kicking in people's doors in Iraq and raiding people's homes there are very, very excited about coming over here and doing the very same thing to American people. Pretty sad stuff. It's disturbing. And actually, he's sort of left it open, an open-ended email here. So if I've got more questions, I can email this guy. So I don't know if you've got any questions you want me to pass on to this particular uh, law enforcement officer. I'd be happy to do that. 800-259-9231. That's the number for you. You know, um, often when we uh, say things about how, you know, police conduct themselves out there, and I'm not talking about all police, just, you know, when, when we when we point fingers in the show about uh, how it seems that the nation is slipping into a police state, we'll often get police officers that call, call in um, you know, incredulous, uh, upset, that kind of thing. And, it's just a few bad apples. You know, it's, it's the <laughs> females like this that let me know, you know, not, maybe not, not. Not so much. Yeah. All right, so 800-259-9231. Let's talk, since we're talking cops, how about drugs? How about a different kind of drug? I mean, we know that the the feds and state governments around the country have been eyeballing salvia, which is a a plant that is currently in a legal status. Uh, A handful of states have decided to go ahead and outlaw salvia, but that's sort of in the standard category of what we consider a drug, something that you put into your body, something of physical substance that physically affects your uh, your chemical makeup, right? That's mm-hmm. what we tend to think of as drugs. Well, according to USA Today, Kim Commando writing the story, she's a radio talk show host, by the way. She does a, a tech show, which is actually a fairly decent tech show. It's, but it, it, probably the most popular one in America. I have to say she should have kept her mouth shut about her opinions on uh, politics or, or issues because... I find this pretty despicable of her. Anyway, here's the story. She says, we all know that music can can alter your mood. Sad songs can make you cry. Upbeat songs may give you an energy boost. But can music create the same effects as illegal drugs? This seems like a ridiculous question, but websites are targeting your children with so-called digital drugs. These are audio files designed to induce drug-like effects. All your child needs is a music player and headphones. There are different slang terms for digital drugs. They're often called eye-dosers or eye-dosers. All rely on the concept of binaural beats. It's this in- is, um, we, we had an advertiser who uh, we did, 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 did this. Uh, he would use it for uh, as a sleep aid, but he also had a relaxation one that uh, you know gave you a relaxed feeling. I think that they could probably be slipped into this category. But he wasn't out there marketing it as something that would get you high necessarily, right? She, what she's suggesting here, there are companies that are out there marketing these same kind of oral, binaural beats, mm-hmm. and they're marketing it as a drug. Like, here, this is like crack. Put this in your, your audio player. So they're, they're really pandering to the, the drug-using culture, mm-hmm. I guess. That's what she's making it sound like. She says it's incorrect to call binaural beats music. They're really ambient so, uh, sounds designed to affect your brain waves. For binaural, for binaural beats to work, you must use headphones. Different sounds are played in each ear. The sounds combine in your brain to create a new frequency, and this frequency corresponds to brainwave frequencies. There are different brainwave frequencies. These frequencies are related to different states like relaxation and alertness. Digital drugs supposedly synchronize your brain waves with the sound. Hence, they allegedly alter your mental state. Binaural beats create a beating sound. Other noises may be included with binaural beats, and this is intended to mask their unpleasant sound. 
Some sites provide binaural beats that have innocuous effects. For example, some claim to help you develop extrasensory powers like telepathy and psychokinesis. Other sites offer therapeutic binaural beats. They help you relax or meditate. And some allegedly help you overcome addiction or anxiety. Others purport to help you lose weight or eliminate gray hair. However, most sites are more hmm. sinister. They sell audio files called doses that supposedly mimic the effects of alcohol and marijuana. But it doesn't end there, she says. You'll find doses that purportedly mimic the effects of LSD, crack, heroin, and other hard drugs. There are also doses of a sexual nature. I'd have to see um, this, you know, I'd, I'd have to experience these things and know that that that's the, the, the case even before I hear, you know, this all just sounds like a bunch of hogwash. bunch of nonsense, right? Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I'm curious as to uh, exactly what happens. Cause I mean, it seems I, think like that, she... I think they can do something to, to make you relax you or something like that, but LSD? More on the way. It's Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line, that's 800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those, including live streams on us. Uh, Those, by the way, include both a a dial-up and a broadband stream. So pretty much everybody on the Internet can listen live at freetalklive.com. I uh, weighed myself today. I've been taking Dexy 20 uh, for, I guess it's a little over two weeks now. I've lost a little over four pounds now. It progresses. Wow. It continues to go on. Uh, can now, are you weighing yourself at the same time every day? Yeah, actually, okay, I that's am. important. Yeah, just for consistency, just before speed. lunch. Gotcha. Um, and, and I've been doing it about once a week. I probably should do it a little more often, just to you know have more to report. But uh, you can lose weight the easy way with Dex C20. You can get it at most major retailers or go to diet.freetalklive.com. Dex C20. We're talking about a uh, scare story that Kim Commando has written for USA Today about what she's calling digital drugs. And she's trying to make it sound very, very frightening. Parents, you need to be concerned, she says, about uh, kids going out and putting headphones on and listening to what are called binaural beats. Now, essentially, it's... We, as you said, Mark, we actually had an advertiser on this program at one point promoting uh, sleeping aids, for instance. Mm-hmm. That would would uh, again, it's just these noises that you listen to that allegedly create some sort of brain frequency response when your ears hear them and sort of combine them together or whatever. I don't know exactly how it all uh, it all works. But you had some good results with the sleeping aid, didn't you? Yeah, it got me very relaxed. So maybe there is something to this, though what I'm concerned with is this sort of frightening way it's being reported. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's reporting this as, oh, parents, look out. We don't know what this is going to do to your kids. It's sound waves. It could really do something bad. And, of course, they're being advertised as completely harmless. Uh, but that's not going to stop people who overreact from going and overreacting and doing something like banning these binaural beats, which, of course, would be just madness. I mean, the idea that... (laughs) Because you can't ban them because they're on the Internet. Yeah. (laughs) So, therefore, the kids are going to get them, and you're only going to bring more publicity to them. Right. That's what Kim Commando's done here. I mean, by putting this uh, article in USA Today and on ABC News or wherever else it popped up, she's popularizing these ideas. 
But let me continue. She says many are skeptical about the effects of digital drugs. Few scientific studies have been conducted on binaural beats. However, a Duke University study suggests they can affect mood and motor performance. A brain surgeon at the Barrow Neurological Institute in Phoenix said there's no real evidence that eye dosers work, but he noted that musical preference is indicative of emotional vulnerability. Trying eye dosers could indicate a willingness to experiment with drugs and other dangerous behavior. Theodore added that eye dosers are another reason to monitor kids' internet usage, and he said kids need frank talks with their parents about correct choices. I don't disagree with any of that, uh, but, you know... (laughs) The idea that, well, for for one, what's what's the big deal? If there, if there doesn't seem to be any danger to them, other than the kid might be getting somewhat mind-altered, that's what we're always told about these drugs. They're dangerous kids. Now they're just saying, look, the mind-altering aspect is bad. Well, that is what the whole thing, that's what the whole deal is about the war on drugs, isn't it, Mark? Don't you think that's the real story? I guess it is. Is that that the people who are in power, those who are the elites of America, they can have all the drugs they want to. I mean, they'll never get caught. But they don't want you to have drugs, you little people out there, to have drugs because it might put your mind in an altered state. You might think outside the box or think about things you don't normally think about. You might uh, consider things a little bit differently than how you normally do and come to conclusions that those who are in positions of power would rather you not ever come to. So that this is sort of an indication of what their true motivations are. The idea is that... Kids, your brains are just fine the way they are. Don't you dare put anything in them, whether they be drugs or whether they be sound waves, that might make you think differently. Because that's dangerous, kids. It's dangerous to think different. Anyway, she's, uh, according to the expert, he says, I suspect this Pied Piper phenomenon will pass rapidly and quietly. Not if you, no, no, it won't. Not if you keep on writing news articles, dummy. Online, many people have posted their experiences with digital drugs. They tout the effectiveness of binaural beats. Or go to YouTube. You'll see videos of teens experimenting with digital drugs. And you can decide for yourself if binaural beats induce drug-like effects. Now, how about this, Kim? How about instead of writing a three-page long article about these things, you put on a pair of headphones and give it a try for yourself i mean watching a video on youtube of some kids getting high whether it be on binaural beats or salvia or marijuana or whatever it is that they're doing is in no way going to give you any sort of uh, legitimate way to figure out how you feel about this particular product the only way to really know for sure is to give it a try and see what happens because i'm sorry no Listening to sound waves, I find it hard it's to believe you're going to get a tame. mind lock out it, of that. It, it does, it's, 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 just, it's just not the same as shooting a syringe full of horse tranquilizer or something <laughs> like that. I mean, you just, you just can't convince me of that. She says, uh, companies that sell digital drugs take both sides of the argument. They say the doses are extremely powerful and some are recommended only for experienced users. But they often hedge their bets. Some users may be immune to binaural beats, they say. And they also say the situation must be right to feel the effects. Companies that sell digital drugs claim they're safe and supposedly they won't affect your physical health. She says, let's think about this for a moment. The sites claim binaural beats cause the same effects as illegal drugs. These drugs impair coordination and can cause hallucinations. They've caused countless fatal accidents like traffic collisions. Countless. If if binaural beats work as promised, they are not safe. They could also create a placebo effect. The expectation elicits elicits the response. Again, this is unsafe. Now look, anybody that is doing drugs that understands that those drugs could cause impairment, 
whether you're drinking alcohol or listening to these beats, you know better than to get behind the wheel of a vehicle after you've had too much to drink. Uh, similarly, a lot of these, if these websites are true, if this binaural beat phenomenon has any validity to it, certainly these uh, people that are purveying them will point out that, hey, we don't want you operating heavy machinery after listening to the binaural beats. In fact, as I recall, the advertiser we had on at that time, there was a warning of that sort, even on the sleeping ones, like, hey, you're, you're listening to something that's supposed to put you to sleep. You, you, know, you don't want to go and drive a car after that. Mm. So... If what she's saying, she's just trying to scare people here. Doing drugs by themselves doesn't make you more likely to get behind the wheel of a car and go crazy. So, so listening to these binaural beats in the safety of your home is no more dangerous. It's probably much less dangerous because, again, you're not, in, as you say, sm- uh, injecting smack into your veins or inhaling smoke into your lungs. So clearly it's less physically dangerous than, uh, than taking drugs would be. The only thing that would put you in any danger would be something stupid like driving a car. I, I'd say that's true. I'd say that the biggest danger to me, it, it seems, uh, you know, when it comes to drugs, you know, the thing is, is these binaural beats, you have some control as, as to how long it's going to affect you, I would guess. I mean, I'm, I'm just I'm just imagining here what these things are like. I, um, You know, when I did it for for sleep, eh, the effects wore off pretty quickly. It's not like you take a hit of LSD and then, you know, a half hour into it, you're like, I don't like this. You're in for the ride, mister. Yeah. You're, you're going to go for two, five hours, depending on what you consider the the entire effects. And, you know, that's the way that is. So the binaural beats, not so, not nearly as dangerous. She says, at the very least, digital drugs promote drug use. Some sites uh, say binaural beats Maybe can they be prevent used. it. Maybe the kids, if they, if they in fact work, maybe the kids say, look, this is free. It's uh, safer than the drugs I've been taking. I'll do this instead. Well, she's suggesting that some of their websites suggest that the beats can be used in tandem with illegal drugs. And look, Kim Commando. The the kids of America, they are already being plied with all kinds of opportunities to smoke marijuana and drink alcohol and do various other drugs by their friends. I don't think that a website promoting audio files is really going to be a, a big, I guess, factor in their decision to go on and decide to smoke a joint someday. I just, as somebody who's been in the drug culture and understands that world... I think her claims are absolutely laughable. What I'd love to hear from you as to what you think about this, especially if you've had some experience with uh, these binaural beats. Mark, you and I had tried the, the sleeping thing, but we never got any of these digital drug versions to uh, to give that a try. So I'm going to try to look for one. Maybe I can download one over the next few days and give it a shot and see what it's like. But if you've got experience, call us up and let us know what it's like. It's Free Talk Live. Talk Live. You can bring up what you want if you dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they're free, so enjoy those on us. And if you like Free Talk Live and want to help support the show, then you can learn how to promote Free Talk Live if you go to promote.freetalklive.com. Lots of different options. Most of them are completely free or very, very low-cost ways to get new people listening to Free Talk Live. So go to promote.freetalklive.com and help us out a little bit. Let's go to your phone calls and talk to Nick in Illinois on the amp line. Hello, Nick. Hey, guys. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? 
Uh, the topic before the last kind of drug airwaves download, whatever, um, <laughs> about the police officers and how this trainer is finding that many of the police officers are becoming a lot more aggressive. I think that I, I think that's quite obvious, especially in tandem with last night's story about a uh, Mr. Ng who was basically tortured until uh, he until some judge said, "Okay, that's enough," and then by the grace of mercy, they decided to um, take him to a hospital where they found his body riddled with cancer, and yeah. he died. So I, when when I when I think of these people, I just they they aren't good people. Nope. These police officers, these bureaucrats, most of them, if not all of them, are not good people. And I mean, they can say that they they feel for these the regular people, civilians, but they quite obviously don't. They don't. If Somehow they've managed to, to separate themselves from the results of their actions. And, and even well, if they're directly involved in it, I mean, they may be really nice when it comes to the family reunion and baking cookies uh, for the people that they know and care about. I mean, the tax collector here in Keene, I did a little Google searching on her. She's involved in hospice or whatever. So clearly, you know, she's interested in helping people that are sick, but somehow that's completely separate in their minds from their job as a, as a bureaucrat, which involves hurting people for a living. And I, I can't separate that from my mind. I, I hear I hear you when you say some of these people do very nice things. You know what? It's, it's, it doesn't matter to me as much as the fact that they they make a living off of hurting people. And and I know what Mark is going to say about they're incentivized to do this. Well, no, wait. I, I don't care. I don't care if they're incentivized to do this. They're bad people. Bad people do these things. Wait a second. You the... should, it shouldn't matter how many incentives you have. Bad but... is bad. I understand where you're coming from. And Look, you should not do bad. I understand what you're saying, but you can't, you can't assume because somebody puts that uniform on um, that they are in the same category as the person who has you know, done the bad things always. Because I was in prison for nine years, and there were some guys in those uniforms that were evil, evil dudes. Um, the, the most evil people I met, believe me, were correctional officers uh, at the prison I was in. But there were a lot of good people there, people that did lots of great kind things for me while I was in there that, that had nothing to gain from it, could have done nothing in order to get me out. By the way, most of these correctional officers in there could do nothing for Ning. Um, and I, I know some of them said, you're just faking it. But when, you're, when your superior says to you... On the toilet. What's that? They could have helped him on the toilet, well, and that's, they didn't. I understood, but uh, they're not I mean, in there. That's that where the they, convicts there, are. There isn't anything that they could have done. I, I disagree fully. They could have done something. I'm sure some people did do care. something. I'm sure some of them did do something. I'm absolutely certain that they did. When they saw, when they saw the man there suffering, I'm sure they did. What do you I'm, mean? I'm not talking about a he good died. morning. I, I'm talking about something that would have would have kept him uh, maybe a little bit more comfortable than he right. was agonizing in pain. I'll bet you that some of them did some things to, in order to keep them uh, keep him comfortable. I don't know what one That's of them what could the story have done. said. The I story, don't think well, they did. I the don't story think they said did, it was honestly. the convicts, the other guys that were in there that that were helping him out. I just when, can't when believe from my experience. When the correctional officers, that tells you that there is a big problem. There is a big, big problem. Well, the biggest problem Both we have is over incarceration. To be dragged out by the hair and beaten behind the shed. That's what most of these correctional officers, these police officers, these army guys, that's what a great majority of them deserve. I don't think it's a majority. 
I, I do. Okay. That's just with my with my experiences with cops. My my father was when I was just a little kid, uh, about six. My father was arrested for tax evasion. The officers came to the door, uh, didn't really give him a chance to even step outside. Grabbed him by the collar in front of his family and dragged him to the car. Classy. Dragged him. That's. These people aren't good. Yeah, I'm with you, Nick. I think that uh, there's no way to really know how many of them are the bad apples, and so we can just speculate about that. But I think generally, whether it's 50% or 75% or 25% that are the real bad, just core, awful individuals, there's the remaining percentage that is standing by and doing nothing about it. So if if it's true that there are good cops, and I believe there are, because I've met some of them, and I think that they're good men, uh, if it's true they're good cops, they're not as good as they could be. Because if they stand by and do nothing when the evil cops are doing their evil and com- perpetrating their uh, the, these horrors on people, if they stand by and just stand quietly or don't feel like they can talk to the warden because the warden's a bad man or they feel like if they, if they speak up, they're going to be punished by uh, people that are higher up than them that might be bad people, then they're effectively doing nothing. And if what you, know you do what? is nothing when evil... Uh, evil men are doing terrible things, then you are effectively bad in my book, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And, and when I think about most people, I think most people would. would most regular people would stand up. But Wouldn't people, or would? I'm sorry, I missed that, below, Nick. They are below regular people. These people are not good. They no, are... They are no, I, no, you wait. Sometimes you're I don't you're just wrong here. As Before you go, no, you're just wrong. The fact is there have been these studies on authority and how humans react to authority, and humans will abdicate uh, their responsibilities in a situation when it comes to authority. And and the fact is if a correctional officer sees something going on, say the sergeant drags an inmate out and says, we're going to take this guy into the the complex one and we're going to beat the crap out of him. I can't imagine that they would do such a thing like that to say that. But... You know, it's the sergeant, it's the authority, or the lieutenant on shift says that yep. that's what they're going to do. I'll agree with you now, Mark, because most people, regular people, are obedient to authority. That doesn't make and... them evil, it makes them normal. Evil is a deviation from normal. I think a higher percentage of people, regular people, would do it than any correctional officer, because correctional officers, police officers, army people, they are trained to be obedient. You mean uh, they would speak I, up? Have you seen the studies? A lot more than regular people are, at least. Well, have at you least. have you seen the obedience studies? I. I don't know what you're talking Stanford, about. Stanford, go look at the Stanford prison experiment. Uh, that, yeah, regular people. But I'm saying that yeah, those people. Okay, they're obedient, but police officers, people in the military, are probably going to be a lot more. I, 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 I would give you that. Much, much longer. I'll give you that simply because so they've that, had the... That's my point, that they are below regular people. <sighs> I don't know. I, you know, they're just I, regular I, people that have gone through this training. They're you regular know? people that have become bad people. The, the training is obedience, not evil. Obedience is evil. Ah, I'm with you there. <laughs> Good hmm. conversation, Nick. Any other thoughts? Uh, no, that's about it. Excellent, sir. Appreciate the call. 800-259-9231. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely with him on that idea. That, that if you're just standing by as somebody else is doing evil to another person, then your net effect is, is helping the evil. 
I mean, you aren't actually reaching out, grabbing a club and and slamming it into uh, to another man's head, or or uh, as we saw video footage earlier this week, shoving a man's face into the pavement, snapping his teeth off. You may not actually be reaching out and doing the violence, but by not objecting, by standing uh, by quietly and keeping to yourself, just so you can keep getting a paycheck the the week after that, you're allowing evil to happen, and you are an enabler of evil. Doesn't make you evil, but it does make you part of the problem. And so people need to stop obeying. They need to stop being so obedient to these so-called authorities. In fact, I've got a I've got a story that's sort of about the whole idea of people just submitting themselves to these government people. They don't they're no better than you or I just because they're wearing a badge and a shiny uniform or whatever it is that they're makes They're just you... liable to hurt you if you uh uh, disobey. Well, if enough people disobey, then there are more of us than there are of them. That's the one thing that is certain. There are only so many government people out there, and once we get enough people on our side to to disobey these government goons, then their reign of terror will be over. And it's really it's really just a matter of time at this point. Which is why I think that uh, we need to speed that process up and have more people come here to New Hampshire sooner rather than later. Because all around the country we're seeing more examples of police brutality and more people just just getting their freedom trampled over. The story last night about the immigrants, 300,000 people were detained in this country last year alone. Those are... Thousands, hundreds, hundreds, thousands of lives who've been disrupted, children separated from their families. I mean, the amount of evil that governments have perpetrated on their own so-called citizens or subjects is just disgusting. Far more than any other private gang or private criminal enterprise could ever have perpetrated on a set of victims. Government is the most evil thing we've ever encountered as mankind. More coming up. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. Uh, that again, 1-800-259-9231. As we launch here in Hour 3, it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. We were talking a few moments ago about obedience to the concept of authority, and I forgot to mention the... Uh, Scientist name skipped my mind for a moment. We were recommending studies that people could look at to learn about how Americans and other people are just so trained to uh, inherently to be obedient to a man in a lab coat or somebody wearing a uniform or uh, someone wearing a top hat or whatever, something that they perceive of as uh, status. And basically. there's also the, uh, that you know, the, it's, yeah, there's authority and there's the bystander effect. People, you know, it, people in groups apparently are less likely to help than an individual person. So the other experiment I wanted to point people to was the Milgram experiment conducted by Stan, I believe Stanley Milgram, and that of course was the one involving the shocking the, pe- mm-hmm. the people. And we can tell you more about that here in a little bit. But so it was uh, the Stanford Prison Experiment. That's one of my favorites to look at. That actually looks at the world of corrections, specifically guard 
uh, sort of guards to prisoners' relationships and how that all works out. And then Stanley Milgram's experiment is just about obedience to authority and, and the willingness of average individuals to administer dangerous levels of electric shocks to an otherwise completely innocent person in an adjoining room. Just because they're told to. Yeah, yeah, and it's absolutely fascinating, so definitely take a look at that. But in the meantime, we go to Strike the Root, strike-the-root.com, by an article by Non-Entity. He says, last night I saw a program on National Socialist Television about the trafficking in women for sex. This article is about more than that. The production crew met with several women who had been sold as slaves into this sex trade underground and who had finally escaped to tell their tales. As a result of their stories, the film producers decided to try to document this business. They found one man who had sold his friend's wife into slavery and for who, for reasons of guilt, or and who, for reasons of guilt, apparently was willing to publicly describe his part in the process. They also found a woman who was... sell your friend's wife? I don't know. Very carefully, just bring, bring, bring her along, I guess, just for kidnapping and then... Right, yeah, you probably would have to kidnap her. They also found a woman who was or professed to be in the business of procuring women for sale into this international pimp network. I found this to be so bizarre, so completely outside the realm of my reality, that it's hard to actually mentally grasp. I assume, and since I think all of us assume that others think as we do, that others might look at this the same as I did. This may be one reason why these sex traffickers and slave traders are able to get away with their business. It's just so out of our perception of reality that it doesn't even qualify as bad fiction to most of us. Mm. Yet, there it is. People treating other people like sacks of potatoes to be sold and mashed and eaten up. These women are held by threats and promises. They're lured by the promise of money, the money they can make in rich and exotic foreign lands. Since they often come from the poorest communities, this is a large enticement, a chance to get out and to make something of oneself. Or just out of desperation. One woman was shown going back into the prostitution business in order to try and fund the urgent medical needs of her younger brother. She could find no other way of obtaining the funds. The woman procurer mentioned above, uh, mentioned above explained to a potential buyer of her enslaved women that in order to maintain control over the women so as to keep them from simply running away, it's necessary that they be taken to a foreign country and that their passports then taken away from them, ostensibly for safekeeping. This is so effective because undocumented sex workers are treated as criminals by most police and immigration officials. Therefore, going to the police for protection just isn't an option for them. Yeah, and, you know, it's this whole uh, idea that, that you have to have a piece of paper in order to cross this imaginary border. Otherwise, you're a criminal. This illegal. Yeah. You're an, they're illegals. They're, you know, it's, it's sad. It makes me wonder how many uh, Mexican or other immigrants are actually working as sex slaves in this country and are too afraid to do anything about it because they don't want to get thrown out. All those people are talking about how bad the illegals are. It suddenly struck me as I was watching all of this, uh, or excuse me, he says they're trapped and pretty much at the mercy of their owners to do whatever is required of them, however appalling. They have no money, no papers, and they don't exist as units in our modern certified world. It suddenly struck me as I was watching all this, the horror of it all, that it's the fact, or that it is the fact that humans are considered property almost universally, which makes all of this possible. The concept of undocumented pertaining to a human being is one that I find profoundly disturbing. If these women are without papers, then they are treated with contempt. 
We must always be able to show the officials who our owners are so they can treat us with whatever level of respect those owners are able to command. It's not we as individuals who are treated with respect. It's our owners. It appears that superficially things have changed, but on a deeper level, the reality of the divine right of kings and such nonsense still rules the day, just below the false facade of freedom and individual rights that are bandied about by those of us who don't take the time to really comprehend the meaning of these words. If a woman goes to the police for help, what earthly business is it of theirs to demand to see her ownership papers or her passport? If she's been sold into slavery and kept against her will, how does her paperwork matter at all in this situation? Obviously, she doesn't exist as a woman. She's only a piece of property. It's, is it any different that she's owned by a pimp or a group in parliament? She must present the certification of her owners in order to receive the most common, humane treatment. Oops, your warranty ran out. We no longer consider you worthy of our professed job of protecting you from criminality. Oh, sorry, you belong to the wrong tribe. We will not accord you our basic human consideration until you can show us that your owners vouch for you. And, you know, maybe they will uh, you know, go and investigate the sex trade aspect, but they're still going to throw them in jail because they're illegals. Yep, and that's kind of the attitude that is being uh, foisted on these so-called illegal immigrants today that, well, sorry, you just don't have your paperwork in order. You don't have the appropriate paper, so we just don't have to treat you like humans. We're going to throw you into these detention centers and... And as uh, Nick called a moment ago, talking about the story we told last night, uh, the man named Mr. Eng, who was a very productive American person, who was doing everything he possibly could legally to become a legitimate citizen through the legal, slow, painfully slow channels that the government has, has set up. And the immigration service killed him. Yeah, and none of that did him any good when it came to throwing him in a jail cell in a detention center and ignoring his complaints about back pain. And he got to the point of not even being able to stand up on his own. And all they did was accuse him of faking it. He didn't get any sort of uh, he, he didn't get any benefit of any doubt whatsoever from these people. They just treat these so-called criminals, and they're not criminals because only cr- criminals are people that hurt other people and destroy property. These are not criminals. They're they're criminals by law only. Criminals by fiat. Uh, it's so sad that human beings can be treated this way, just disposed of by other people like this, simply because they just don't have the right paperwork. And that's what uh, non-entity is referring to here. He says the horrors of this story were huge, but upon reflection, they're small potatoes compared to what it really exposes. We as human beings do not believe that individuals are individuals. We're tribe animals and only see the tribe. That's our nation, not your... This isn't your nation. You can't come here unless you ask permission to come in here from our tribal leaders. A human being must show credentials almost everywhere and to almost everyone to be accorded simple human dignity or what we describe as simple human dignity. It didn't used to be this bad, I don't think. Or maybe I'm just fantasizing a world that never was. We've always judged people on their color or race, of course, but now it appears that we're judging them on their paperwork, which is even farther removed from who they really are. Those who are the most willing to be pawns of tribal rituals will accrue the best sets of papers, and those with the character to be individuals will suffer the invisibility of shunning. Martin Luther King Jr. said it so well when he spoke of judging people on the content of their characters and not the color of their skin. How is it that we have progressed to where we're judging people by the color of their paperwork and not even their skin? Globalization has probably been a big factor in this, where we used to deal mostly with people we knew or were somewhat familiar with. Now we deal with strangers more often than we do with people we have a personal history with. In trying to cope with this large amount of of unknowns in our world, we seek out some form of certification on which to pass judgment. 
And I can understand the need for a sense of context in which to operate our lives, yet this devolvement from personal knowledge down to simply looking for a piece of paper seems to be a belief in a false god. Unless we actually know and agree with the sentiments of the person who signed off on that piece of paper, we're basing our trust and acceptance of the person in front of us on a fiction. The piece of paper is giving us false sense of security. A sense that we have some knowledge about this person that we didn't have before we saw the piece of paper, but we don't. Well, you have the knowledge that they are who they say they are. I mean, if you're looking at an idea, ID, you know that well, here's a picture, here's a name... You know that you're, you're dealing with whom you say you, you're dealing with. More on the way. You can take control, bring up what you want. Frank is on the line in New York, and you can bring up anything. This is your show. It is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and it is your show. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We've got updates. You get signed up, and we'll let you know when there's something fresh that you need to know about Free Talk Live. Go to updates.freetalklive.com to get on the list for free. That's updates.freetalklive.com. And travel less and meet online. Try WebEx free. Go to webex.com and enter the promo code. Code 600 to start your free trial of WebEx. That's WebEx, W-E-B-E-X.com. Use the promo code 600 to start your free trial of WebEx today. As we continue here, a few more thoughts from non-entity at Strike the Root. Talking about uh, the, the issue of how people are being judged these days based on the paperwork that they have or don't have. Uh, he brought up originally the whole sex slavery problem that the world is is suffering from, mostly silently. Most people aren't really even aware that it that it goes on, but boy, does it ever! Because sex is illegal, uh, the underground trade, uh, the black marketeers get involved, and women and children get enslaved, and they can't get out. Because not only are they afraid of the gangsters and what they might do to their families, because they usually threaten their families. If if you leave, we're going to kill your you know your little sister. Or whatever. And so that kind of keeps them there. And then the other factor that keeps them into slavery is that if they went to the so-called authorities for help, they would just be deported and treated like a piece of trash because they're not legal. So there's all kinds of problems, and a non-entity uh, continues in his analysis of how people are being dehumanized simply by the fact that they don't have the appropriate paperwork. And that's what we're seeing here in this country with all of this uh, so-called anti, uh, this, this anti-illegal immigrant fervor. For some reason, because they didn't go ask some bureaucrat for permission to be on a particular plot of land known as the United States of America, that they're somehow subhuman, that they've done, they've done something bad. Anyway, let me continue his story here. He says, it no longer matters what the content of this person's character is. If she doesn't have the right piece of paper, she's not a woman worthy of being protected from brutal, heartless thugs who imprison her and force her into service. Uh, 15 or 10 to 15 men a day without pay, without being able to go home to her children, her husband, and her life. Forget about the person. It's the papers that matter. Or if I don't have the right piece of paper with the right-looking stamps and symbols, then it matters not at all that I might be an excellent employee. You will not even consider me or my qualifications for the job until I prove that somebody else has passed some kind of judgment on me. This is very, very strange, he says. How has it come that we no longer see each other as people, and how can we reverse this trend? The next time you're asked for identification, consider the ramifications of participating in this system. Who owns you? 
The choice is yours. No one will stand up for you. You and you alone will make that choice. I'm not saying I have any magic answers. I'm only trying to point out that it's only through our use and acquiescence that this system has been able to turn us from people into property. You become the property of the fiction that controls your paperwork. You cease to exist, and you become a unit of inventory. It's time to stop acting like a number, and the first step is to understand how important it is to see others as individual human beings. We are not numbers. Only we as individuals can make this real. If we walk like numbers, quack like numbers, chances are we are numbers. Consider that you go by the name Gwendolyn. If someone else calls you Sally and you respond to that, then for that person, you're Sally. When we accept somebody else's definition of who we are, it's not they who have defined us, it's we who have done it to ourselves. If someone assigns a number to you, even if they tattoo it on your arm, you are not that number until and unless you acknowledge that it represents you. Someone else's definition of me is just that, their definition. Are you a citizen? One can be sovereign or one can be a citizen. One cannot be both. Slavery still exists. We've changed the name to protect the guilty. Your papers! If you are one who demands them, shame on you. 800-259-9231. I agree completely. And I, I am somebody who does try to see people on an individual basis. Well, what if you're doing good work? I agree with, I agree with the vast majority of this. What if you're doing good work like uh, being a... Uh, uh, Somebody who works at a convenience store, um, and and you have to ask for people's ID when you're selling cigarettes. Otherwise, um, you know that they're, they're likely to send in some sting operation. Happens all the time here in uh, Keene. Send in some sting operation mm. and bust you and and fine you and fine the place you work. Five hundred bucks for selling cigarettes to I think a seventeen-year-old yeah. or uh, alcohol to I, a twenty-year-old. I think there's a difference between somebody that goes to get a job at a convenience store and sort of has to do that as part of their job at the convenience store, as compared to somebody who's going to join the border patrol to ask the similar questions. Uh, the, the ramifications of what could happen uh, to the person providing the papers are much different in those two situations. But I see your point. It's it still seems like a a good point. I mean, you are still well, participating in that system. For me, uh, the the times that I have to provide my ID or generally, you know, in purchasing something, sometimes with a credit card. Well, that's because you're fortunate enough to not live uh, close enough to the border wherein you would have to show perhaps ID to these uh, goons that are on the side of the road that Agreed. might snatch you up and put you in a, a prison cell. Agreed, but... <laughs> that's that, that, that's how that relates to me on a day-to-day basis. Right. I understand that. I just think there's a difference between a, a clerk at a store and somebody who's a part of the government apparatus that really is foisting this system upon us. And I think that the solution here is to bring people together who are going to reject these government forms of identification in favor. Now, there's nothing wrong with the idea of having identification, and I don't think he's talking out against that. But what is a good idea is consensually acquiring it for yourself and and having some sort of, I think, a private alternative, I think, is something that I want to see happen. I want to be able to have an identification for myself that is not in any way endorsed by the government, but is some sort of private version of, uh, of an identification card. And I think if we had enough people together in the same area doing similar things like that and just not using government ID anymore, not driving with a government driver's license then we could start seeing some of these changes because eventually they are going to run out of jail cells to put everybody in. And it'll make them look bad. It'll make them look tyrannical when they start putting nonviolent, otherwise nonviolent, peaceful people in jail for simply 
driving without their government paperwork. We're starting to see the very beginnings of this here in New Hampshire. Uh, some of the free staters that, and some of the New Hampshire natives that are that are here that are concerned with these issues are beginning to move forward. There's somebody working right now on a private driver certification, for instance, which will be uh, a step above the government driver's uh, you know what they require for you to get the government driver's license. Mm-hmm. You'll have to do more in order to get this particular private uh, certification. And I'm pretty excited about that possibility. I like that idea. I think it's a neat idea. I, I don't know how it's going to all work. Uh, it, it sounds like there's going to be some problems in the beginning, but good luck. Yeah. Well, nobody can really predict exactly how it's going to work. But what I know is the important part is that people are doing something. You know, they're they're moving in that direction, and we'll cross whatever bridges we need to cross when we come to them. Let's go to Frank in New York. Frank, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello, Frank. Frank in New York, going once. Frank in New York. Got to be there. Going twice. Well, let's put him back on hold, and perhaps we'll come... Oh, Frank is gone. Okay. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Coming up, the Wall Street Journal has acknowledged, apparently, what we've been saying on this show for a long time, and that is that college for most people, is a complete waste of time. Mm. Not to mention money as well. And we'll see, uh, again, what they have to say here in uh, detail. Of course, you can dial in and take control of the airwaves, bring up whatever might happen to be on your mind. Again, the toll-free number is 1-800-259-9231. And if we get a chance, we'll get an update from one of our listeners about the terror watch list. Apparently, a listener of ours has been added to it. And I'm not sure what the rest of the story is, but you've got that for us, Mark, so that is on the way as well. Your calls are primary, though. This is Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those on us, including the wiki. Over 1,700 pages created by listeners just like you. Go to wiki.freetalklive.com and get interactive. WIKI.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project. It's your only choice for more personal freedom and smaller, less intrusive government. To learn more about joining the Second American Revolution, go to freestateproject.org. That's freestateproject.org. 800-259-9231. 800-259-9231. Let's try Frank again. Frank in New York, you are on Free Talk Live. Uh, good evening. Good evening, uh, sir. I just wanted to mention that I think the behavioral scientist you were thinking about was uh, the late uh, Harvard uh, psychologist, uh, B.F. Skinner, who did the uh, behavior modification experiments and uh, gave us the Skinner box and also the uh, novel uh, sort of novel manifesto beyond Walden too. Uh no, I was specifically referring to Stanley Milgram. I'm I'm not Oh, okay, with... who did the pain experiments. Yes, uh, it's a bit, not so much a pain experiment Yale. as it is an obedience experiment. Right, he did that at Yale where the people were to tank up the volume. And we've seen how successful he was with the waterboarding at Guantanamo Bay, at Guantanamo Bay, at Camp X-ray and also at Abu Ghraib. So apparently his uh uh, the military uh, of the United States and the Central Intelligence Agency 
certainly applied that in the uh, you know current uh, war yeah, in theaters of Afghanistan and Iraq. So yeah, I guess the uh, you know what they say you never know where that uh, government funded research at the private universities will uh, end up. Mm. Uh, the application that is the point I wanted to raise. Um, moving a bit away from what you guys were discussing is the fact that we only have six major attack groups or fleets, flotillas, in the military. And we usually have two of those in rotation. And if next week we're going to have five of the uh, six in the Persian Gulf, is that not rather stupid and ridiculous, putting all of our you know, Navy defenses into that bottleneck, which is really a disaster waiting to happen? I'm wondering what's going on with the uh, Joint Chiefs of Staff and the, military, and the Defense Department, especially uh, Gates, who's running it, because to me it, it looks just like the greatest fiasco since Pearl Harbor, you know, uh, leaving all the battleships sort of docked in the harbor. And luckily FDR had the aircraft carriers out at the time. But this is ridiculous. We'll have five of the uh, six major aircraft carrier in that region, which is utterly absurd. And let's say one of them or two of them are sort of being refitted that leaves the rest of the world, at least from the United States' point of view, unprotected. It, it does seem... And appears utterly ridiculous. What do you guys think of that? Well, I, I, I wonder whether FDR um, you know, did what he did on purpose as far as putting the um, older battleships in the uh, harbor there and, um, yeah. in Pearl Harbor and, and, in fact, kept out his uh, aircraft carriers for a reason. However, I don't think Correct. we're doing this on purpose. I think that this is just a bad idea. Yeah, because, you know, all you need is... Uh, uh, a few Exocet missiles modified with the new uh, radars uh, to actually uh, wipe out those aircraft carriers in that uh, Straits of Hormuz area. I mean, it's utterly absurd. It, it's, a, it's an utter bottleneck. And, uh, you know, you have to question what's going on. Enough said. Thank you. There you go, Frank. Thanks for the call. 800-259-9231. I, uh, I find it hard to care, really. About the military people. I mean, they signed up. They knew that they were going to be bossed around by a bunch of jackballs that don't really care whether they live or die. I mean, the people that are issuing the orders to those aircraft carriers, they're not the ones that are on the carriers. So if they all get blown up, then, well, it's not their money that's on the line. It's not their son. It's not their daughter. It's sad. So they just get moved around like little pawns. And it's, you know, it is sad. I agree it, with that. It, it's it's sad that they signed up. It's sad that they were in the circumstance where they needed to sign up. It, it's sad that nobody ever needs to sign up for the military. I feel like um, in a lot of cases these uh, these kids are tricked. Really, oh, I do. Oh yeah, that's that's for sure. And I think that's sad. So there you go. Let's continue with your calls. Arvin is on the line in California. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Arvin. Hello. Um, oh, yeah. Never mind. Uh, I wanted to talk about um, borders and stuff like that because I'm sure. actually an immigrant from Sweden. So, Excellent. Uh, yeah, uh, I think the problem is that people are, they're not kind of indoctrinated, but they're, they have accepted pr- previous indoctrination mm-hmm. um, of borders, because borders they can't exist in a free, free world. Borders are, um, okay, well, you can own a piece of land and, and not let anyone uh, come to, to your house or stuff like that. But, sure. Uh, borders like nation borders... Uh, they're all invented by governments. That's correct. Uh, And governments were invented by man, so it's all a fantasy. You're absolutely right. Yeah, it's it's all a fantasy, and we have accepted it. Just like we have accepted that tax isn't stealing, but 
but it is. <laughs> well, so, I don't accept um, those things. <laughs> well, some people do. Right. Yes, they do. Uh, a lot of people many, do. Many, many people yeah. do. <laughs> um, and actually, um, um, since I've, I'm an immigrant myself, and I've come to the, U, um, to the USA uh, from Sweden, we had to go through, oh, well, it was a really long process, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, took us... Uh, think about a year or something and that's quite quick yeah that uh, sounds quite quick um yeah but i actually just have a visa um okay but my my mother's a researcher and that's how we got it so um that actually helps. we got money from uh, the swedish government um because she's a researcher so it's like an an exchange program or something and I, I i spoke to my mother about this and she said that oh it's it's so great that we we've got uh, money from the government and i told her that um if the world was free um we we wouldn't have to to uh, to be um borders wouldn't uh, bother anyone because they wouldn't exist so um yep. and that the money she received from the government um she uh, she would just get a get a get an, ordin- an ordinary salary as a researcher if she was good enough. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, in the in the free so, world, if you, anywhere you wanted to go, you could go there, presuming the property owner of the piece of land that you wanted to go to would allow you to go. And that would be the only real concern. Would yeah. be you know, am I going to a place where I'm wanted to be? And and most. I want people to come here. I, I want uh, to have a free land. Where I want people, hardworking people to come here. Yep. I want a place where people can come to and they can make the best of a, a life for themselves as they want to make it. And as long as they're not mooching off of uh, some governmental system, then they're okay in my book. Where whatever they, wherever they, whatever plot of land they were born on, whatever color their hair is or their eyes are, their skin is, or whatever, if they're man or woman or young or old, I don't care. As long as you don't want to use force on me or my neighbors. As long as you won't aggress against your neighbors and you'll respect their ability to live free, you are welcome here in, uh, as far as I'm concerned, here in New Hampshire, which at some point will be its its own free place, I think. Yeah, and I think um, actually there's not a lot of people that um, that are protectionists like um, George Bush, for example. Uh, that's a that's a good example of protectionism, mm-hmm. uh, and McCain and Glenn Beck. <laughs> well, uh, all those people uh, they are protectionists, but I don't think people in general um, globally are protectionists. I think they they have um, accepted borders. So if they become teachers and stuff like that, they they teach people that okay, this is our land. That's their land, and if you go to their land, you're their guest. Like um, they're a big collective or something, which yeah. they aren't because we're all individuals. Right, but, and that's what the government uh, teaches people: is the ideas of coll- collective uh, collectiveness. And well, don't, people don't, are members of groups. Don't forget the Im- the importance of going to a different uh, a different country and speaking their language. I mean, that seems to seems to really be an issue for people that somehow you're a pariah if you don't speak uh, you know English when you come here. I you know I've got relatives that uh, just think it's awful that people at Disney World are speaking different languages. It's Disney World. Arvin, thanks for the call, dude, and uh, welcome. Welcome to America. I'm not sure how long you've been here, but glad you're here. and glad you managed to make it through the, the system. Sounded like you got a little preference, but that's the way it works, right? They that's don't want people coming here to work at jobs where they have to lift bricks and stuff like that. That would be anti-competitive. More on the way. You take control. Even in these remaining moments, just enough time for your call. It's Free Talk Live. 
This is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain. Just enough time for your call, though, if you make it right now at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. That's, again, 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features are free, and if you like Free Talk Live and want to help support the show, shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. If you enter Amazon through that link, Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. It doesn't matter what you buy in 41-plus categories. There are even used items at Amazon. So load up your shopping cart, get the stuff that you need for life, and feel good because you're getting the brands you trust at a great price, and you're helping Free Talk Live by entering through amazon.freetalklive.com. So the Wall Street Journal acknowledging the truth about college, that for most people it's a waste of time. Imagine that America had no system of post-secondary education and you were a member of a task force assigned to create one from scratch. One of your colleagues submits this proposal. First, we'll set up a single goal to represent educational success, which will take four years to achieve no matter what is being taught. We will attach an economic reward to it that seldom has anything to do with what has been learned. We will urge large numbers of people who do not possess adequate ability to try to achieve the goal, wait until they've spent a lot of time and money, and then deny it to them. We will stigmatize everyone who doesn't meet the goal. We will call the goal a B.A. You would conclude that your colleague was cruel, not to say insane, but that's the system we have in place. (laughs) Finding a better way should be easy. The B.A. acquired its current inflated status by accident. Advanced skills for people with brains really did get more valuable over the course of the 20th century, but the acquisition of those skills got conflated with the existing system of colleges, which had evolved the B.A. for completely different purposes. Outside a handful of majors, engineering, and some of the sciences, a bachelor's degree tells an employer nothing except that the applicant has a certain amount of intellectual ability and perseverance. Even a degree in a vocational major like business administration can mean anything from a solid base of knowledge to four years of barely remembered gut courses. The solution is not better degrees, but no degrees. Young people entering the job market should have a known, trusted measure of their qualifications that they can carry into job interviews. That measure should express what they know, not where they learned it or how long it took them. They need a certification, not a degree. The model is the CPA exam that qualifies certified public accountants. The same test is used nationwide. It's thorough, four sections, timed, totaling 14 hours. A passing score indicates authentic competence, and the pass rate, by the way, is below 50%. Actual stores, uh, scores are reported in addition to pass-fail so that employers can assess where the applicant falls in the distribution of accounting competence. You may have learned accounting at an anonymous online university, but your CPA score gives you a way to show employers you're stronger, or you're a stronger applicant than someone from an Ivy League school. The merits of a CPA-like certification exam apply to any college major for which the BA is now used as a job qualification. To name just some of them, criminal justice, social work, public administration, and the many separate majors under the headings of business, computer science, and education. Such majors accounted for almost two-thirds of the bachelor's degrees conferred in 2005. For that matter, certification tests can be used for purely academic disciplines. Why not present graduate schools with certifications in microbiology or economics? And who cares if the applicants pass the exam after studying in the local public library? Certification. Who cares? Yeah, exactly. Well, who cares? The people that run the schools care, right? The schools, yeah. yeah. But I don't. I, actually, I think a lot of employers would, uh, you know, sort of change their. Um, if you can show that you're qualified, I think that they may overlook some, you know, BAs. Oh, oh certainly. I think you're right about that, but that. that 
that's not something that will help the it's, it's school administrators. It's not feel the better. overall conversation that's going on in society. Basically, they, um, you know, it's it, as silly as it is. They people still ask you. So, what school did you go to? Oh, I went to Bayshore High School. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of like small talk, though, right? Yeah, I mean, but, but they do. But I mean, it just goes to show. Yeah. Certification tests need not undermine the incentives to get a traditional liberal arts education. If professional and graduate schools want students who have acquired one, all they need to do is require certification scores in the appropriate disciplines. Students facing such requirements are likely to get a much better liberal education than even our most elite schools require now. Certification tests will not get rid of the problems associated with differences in intellectual ability. People with high intellectual ability will still have an edge Graduates of prestigious colleges will still, on average, have higher certification scores than people who have taken online courses just because prestigious colleges attract intellectually talented applicants. But that's irrelevant to the larger issue. Under a certification system, four years is not required. Residence is not required. Expensive tuitions are not required. And a degree is not required. Equal educational opportunity means, among other things, creating a society in which it's what you know that makes the difference. Substituting certifications for degrees would be a big step in that direction. The incentives are right. Certification tests would provide all employers with valuable, trustworthy information about job applicants. They would benefit young people who cannot or don't want to attend a traditional four-year college. And they would be welcomed by the growing post-secondary online educational industry, which cannot offer the halo effect of a BA from a traditional college, but can realistically promise their students good training for a certification test, as good as they're likely to get at a traditional college for a lot less money and in a lot less time. Certification tests would disadvantage just one set of people, students who have gotten into well-known traditional schools but who are coasting through their years in college and would score poorly on a certification test. Disadvantaging them is an outcome devoutly to be wished. Yeah. No technical barriers stand in the way of evolving toward a system where certification tests would replace the BA. Hundreds of certification tests already exist, from everything from building code inspectors to advanced medical specialties. The problem, uh, real estate agents. Or uh, techie people, IT stuff. There's a lot of certification there. I don't think that uh, government certification is really the way to go necessarily. I think that uh, private uh, certification is better, but, you know. I don't know if he's promoting the idea of government he's certification. Just, he's just talking about certifications and right. pointing out there's a lot of certifications there. The problem is a shortage of tests that are nationally accepted, like the CPA exam. But when so many of the players would benefit, a market opportunity exists. If a high-profile testing company, such as the Educational Testing Service, were to reach a strategic decision to create definitive certification tests, it could coordinate with major employers, professional groups, and non-traditional universities to make its tests the gold standard. A handful of key decisions could produce a tipping effect. Imagine if Microsoft announced that it would henceforth require scores on a certain battery of certification tests from all of its programming applicants. Scores on that battery would instantly acquire credibility for programming job applicants throughout the industry. An educational world based on certification tests would be a better place in many ways. But the overarching benefit is that the line between college and non-college competencies would be blurred. Hardly any jobs would still have the BA as a requirement for a shot at being hired. Uh, don't forget the, uh, the, the, the the huge hit to the banking industry and the federal government when uh, everybody doesn't have one of these giant loans loan. um, that's backed by the federal government out there and essentially under their thumb. 
well, I, yeah, maybe all that will prevent this from ever happening, but it's, it's still a, a nice idea because those interests are very entrenched. I mean, the colleges, academia in America, very entrenched, and they're not going to want this. You they're not going to want their power to go you, away. You could clep an entire BA um, if you you know know enough. You could d- do it, but it would cost a lot. What does clep mean? Um, it, it means uh, taking a test in order to pass a, um, a, t- a class. Opportunities would be wider and fairer, and the stigma of not having a B.A. would diminish. Most importantly, in an increasingly class-riven America, the demonstration of competency in business administration or European history would appropriately take on similarities to the demonstrations of competency in cooking or welding. Our obsession with the B.A. has created a two-tiered entry into adulthood, anointing some for admission to the club and labeling the rest as second best. Here's the reality. Everyone in every occupation starts as an apprentice. Those who are good enough become journeymen. The best become master craftsmen. Mm -hmm. This is as true of business executives and history professors as it is of chefs and welders. And it's and and, in in most in a lot of industries, really a BA seems to be just it's just a degree to get let you start learning. That's what yeah, that's what he's pointing out, and that would and and if you don't have that BA, then you're left out in the cold. So it creates that sort of two tiered system he's describing, where if you're in the club, then you're good to go, but otherwise you're SOL. And so getting rid of the VA, as he says, and replacing it with evidence of competence, treating post-secondary education as apprenticeships for everyone, is one way of helping us recognize that common bond. So interesting uh, viewpoint on shifting from this college, collegial perspective to a more certification-based perspective. I fully support it because it's so sad when you hear these stories from uh, from young people that have spent countless hours and time pouring money and effort into getting these college degrees and then like has happened with so many of my friends who went off to college they, there's nothing they can do with them i mean there's very very little that that they can do if you're working at a restaurant after you get out of college because you can't find a gig in your required field what what good did it do you what was the point? I don't know. I mean, I I, I look at uh, so many government jobs out there that require, uh, you know, that's sort of in the uh, civil, not civil service, but you know, the the helping people um, area. They require a BA in uh, psychology or drug treatment or whatever. And I I think about my wife's degree and, and she, I mean, she 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 just wasn't making enough money to ever pay that thing off. I mean, Is that right? Yeah, but, you know, they they don't make that much money in that in those fields. So there you go. Some ideas there, something to chew on. We are done for tonight. We'll be back tomorrow. And, of course, you can join us online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. And tomorrow night is the live Saturday edition, so we look forward to seeing you then. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronic, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.